Welcome to Warped Zone, a podcast on sci-fi, philosophy, religion, gaming, politics, and anything else taboo. I am Ben Benassi. I'm Tara Smith. I'm tired. You are very tired, I know that. Um, but we are here, we're in a different room today. A mm. different room, not just from last time, a different room to we've ever been in. Yeah. Uh, so, not to uh, say that the booking manager did anything wrong, because booking manager did book, but Ben's been so busy that he couldn't meet at our normal booking time, so we've had to find <laughs> another room. So, yeah. Ben's fault on this one. Yeah, yeah. So, we are in the John Woolley building again, uh, and we are in the common room. <laughs> so, yeah. Is it? It's this big room. Big room with a weird tapestry on the wall. And chandeliers, and um, that headboard is like a nice wooden headboard with obviously yeah. for hanging up your hats, which I really like. And mm. if it ever gets curved, um, I'm going to steal it. Yeah, and it's got some glass cabinets with some books in there, which I thought would be worth a lot of money. It turns out they're just open. I just opened oh, it okay. before. And there's a book missing from one of them, which is quite funny. Uh, and we're next to the kitchen. Um, and the male bathroom's on the other side and there's doors in between. So there's yep. likely that people are just going to walk through. Yeah. Which is and fine. And also the acoustics are probably not great in here because the roof's so high. So sorry for that. Oh, the generator just turned off. That's nice. Generator, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be okay. So um, what have you been doing? Um, I've been pretty busy. Aside from being an award-winning Oh I yeah, think. we're still going on that. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a pretty busy week. Tom's been away for two weeks doing stuff Canberra. He's doing some scent test with beehives, whether you can... Yeah, you told me he was smelling bee sperm or something. No, no, this is different. So he was counting <laughs> sperm last week. That's um, just his hobby. Yeah, so that's different, <laughs> counting bee semen. Okay. This was, um, he was... He's looking at whether different smells are generated from hives at certain stages of um, disease or problems. Right. So uh, measuring the, the chemistry, the smell chemistry of each hive with a test, if that's possible. So is he smelling it? <laughs> no, not personally. Well, I guess okay. he'd be smelling It's too subtle to tell. That's why they're trying to just design a test with the CSIRO so that um, they can distinguish if there's a scent produced when bees are in a certain state of crisis, when bees are right. in hives. He yeah. was a truffle pig or something. Yeah, well, you know I thought he was, was like sniffer bees going to um, yeah. airports and the bees come out and sniff for drugs, yeah. but it's not what it was. Right. <laughs> you Can you imagine tiny bee in a leash? Like, it would be amazing. Or you throw yeah. bees at someone. <laughs> yeah, or another type of animal that smells out the bees, like yeah. a, you know, a, a bear. But why would you need to smell out the bees? The bees are trying to track drugs. What? Oh, no, it's not what like We need the poo. We need the poo noses yeah. about bees. Yeah, um, so he's been away but came back for the weekend, and then... He's away again? Yeah, but he comes back again soon, I think, mm. maybe tomorrow. Um, on the weekend, I had another market, went to the Marrickville Festival, volunteered yep. with my friend Ellie again with Penny Marathon. We raised, I think, like $1,000, which wow. is really good. That's really good. Yeah, um, I, I'm always like on the upsell. I'm pretty good at it. Mm. Just like, no, I have no embarrassment factor. I'm just like, buy this. Do you want to buy this? This will look good on you. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So, you got um, so there's lots of cattos that are going to be saved. Yeah, well, this won't go towards TNR, so it'll go. Through. I think it's going towards a different, um, different thing. So, mm. uh, um, but I did TNR on the day before yesterday. Caught seven cats. Three of them are pregnant. So woohoo! So that's what you want. Because if you can catch them when they're pregnant, you can uh, desex them before they give birth. Which sounds sad, but it's important. <laughs> you know what the kittens? Yep. Are they real kittens? <laughs> it's well, not get onto the ethics of no, the No, some people have a real issue with it, but I'm like, they're feral. They're on the streets. Can you take them in? And they go, no. And I'm like, well, well I can't take them in either. What do you want to do about it? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's mm. best to look after the cats that are born. And I feel the same with people, to be honest, mm. if they're not in the position. A lot of the cats are six months old themselves. So they're already kittens. They shouldn't yeah. be having like six. They're Mount Morris. They shouldn't be giving birth to like six kittens. You know what I mean? So I'm pretty pragmatic about it, just trying to help as yeah. many as I can. So we call it seven. Um, one of them, though, I just got a call from the vet today, so they're doing the desexing. Now, one of them's microchip, so I was like, don't desex it. <laughs> I like, don't want to desex someone's own cat. Should but it? from Stanmore, and I'm in the Kemba. So I don't know what's happened, whether they've moved and not updated the chip details or yeah. what's happened. But I was like, don't do anything until we have approval from the owner. I don't want to get any into yeah. trouble. Yeah, yeah. But in the Kemba, why would you let your cat roam in the Kemba when there's so many colonies and so many end up dead? It's like, to me, it sounds like you're not looking after the cats properly. Yeah. But anyway. Um, what else did I do? Uh, I'm looking for my Halloween costumes. We've got a Halloween party coming up. So it's oh, a bit yeah, exciting. I'll look for one. Yeah, you better dress up. 
Do I have to? Can I come as me? Uh, no. Can I come as previous me? Mm, I was going to dress up as you, but Tom Tom wanted to as well, but then we thought it would be too mean because it would be like <laughs> a seating hairline and stuff. I mean, we're seating Or like lack of hair in the middle, yeah, like yeah. amongst week, you know, like, amongst yeah, week, we're yeah. going to put that on, yeah. yeah. But we thought that maybe that wouldn't be very I think I'm as politician, me. Yeah. Oh, I did a study for my friend Tanya. She's looking at urban environment and putting um, micro, I don't know what they're called, brain things that I'm doing with my hands on my head. I don't know what they're called. ECG monitors. It's like a massaging thing. One mm. of those micro but, but with micro like readers for your brain. Right. You know you what I'm talking about? Yes, yeah, exactly. Why? To measure how I was in urban spaces. So she took me to two different spaces to measure how my brains go up and down, <laughs> my brain waves. What? It's legit. Okay. <laughs> I'm just describing. I'm not saying it. How so, wide is this survey? Is it just you? No, you? there's like 30 people. Okay. It's just early. She doesn't have the. She's doing a PhD. She doesn't have the capacity to do thousands of people because it just takes takes like an hour, two hours to do each one. Right. Brain thing. Anyway, that was cool. Um, and I did that, and I had so what oh. What's the findings? Do you do you? Yeah, it worked. Well, she took us to two city environments. I can't remember the names, like in Darlington or whatever. And she'd, and she'd ask set questions as well. Like, do you, on a scale of one to ten, like, is this environment stressful? And then you'd say yes or no. And she'd get you to stand in different locations to see if it varied. But I get stressed really easily. So everything, yeah. I'm like, I feel stressed. It's <laughs> a factor city thing. Like, are you going to get pissed off after, like, how long it It wasn't that long. It was more like maybe an, an hour total because we yeah. walked from two different spots. I didn't mind. But um, I kept asking her questions that she like. I was like, "Will this like tell you if I'm crazy?" She's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Nothing. <laughs> Don't worry about it." Like I was worried that she'd look at all these normal brainwaves and my like, <laughs> like bouncing. Yeah, uh, so that was pretty funny. And what else? I had my first HDR committee meeting. You know, I, I didn't know if I told you guys our avid listeners, but I signed up to do uh, be part of the HDR committee. Uh, and my representative. Yeah, I'm representing you and anybody else. Um, and it was quite good. They're going to think of giving another supervisor that would be a mentor that's non, it's non-academic research-based, but someone that helps you in other aspects like, you know, how to increase your career and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I was so salty that I just kept saying things like, my supervisor is this, and like, is that really important for everybody? I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I went, I shouldn't have gone charged, yeah. but I was like... One of your supervisors listens to this, so you've got to make it clear. Oh, yes. It's, it's not that one. It's, no, not that, that's right. Yeah. Um, this is other, getting, like, too... Too personal. We're going to um, stop that train of thought, but... Yeah, more Carol, we love you. Yeah, so we do, Carol, yeah. It's not yet. Um, anyway. anyway, so that was interesting, but I think having a mentor supervisor would be a great idea that would help you, you know, with doing, maybe not for everyone, I think it would be helpful for me. Um, I always worry about, like, committees that are self-appointed and then there's representatives of, of me. What? Why? Mm-hmm. At the moment, there's nothing, so... Yeah. You don't care. Yeah. Well, I think it's important. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apathetic. All right, go on. Do you now? Do your boring yeah, life. Go I'm on. Ap- apathetic. Apathetic. Apo. Apo. Apathetic. Oh shit. my god, I've been busy. Okay, so I've marked a bucket load of, of essays for ACU over the last week. I came home, intending to mark one day, and I got a notification. I think this was Thursday. I think so. I don't know. Um, I got a notification that there was a power outage in my area from AGL and I thought ah, that's weird it's a weird message to get it's probably not true that's okay so I come home and yeah the power's out so uh, I had to like then rush around cook food on the barbecue at the back for us Aya like two cavemen yeah. like cooking food and do you then, have to scramble do you know where you kept the, the torch and where you keep the candles and stuff like that no I just let everything go dark <laughs> I was so annoyed. Nice. <laughs> I was annoyed. I was pissed off. You're like, I've got, I've got my phone torch. I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> I've got then, 30% battery. I read this week's story in the dark while sitting there as my computer was losing battery. That's so funny. Yeah. So I don't have any notes. I usually have a printed yeah. you know, thing and then I have notes. But no, I don't have any of that. So I did that. And then I couldn't get on the internet because everyone was obviously using their mobile for mobile data oh no yeah so it was like that until like 10 o'clock at night i had to pay bills and then on the same that's right on the same day bloody commonwealth bank has some problem and their bpay facility all goes down so i couldn't pay a bill to someone so i'm waiting like up until you know 11 30 12 waiting to pay a bill after the power comes on just come on, I'm waiting until 12 30, then one o'clock. I'm like, oh, fuck this, and just go to bed and stuff mm. it. Um, and then money came through. But yeah, that was really, really annoying. 
garbage. Um, over the weekend, I was, I went, I, I was a, a good husband. Yeah. Oh, you went to the beach. I oh my did. god! So everybody knows Ben hates the beach. And I love the beach, but Ben always talks about how much he hates the beach. So, so, I, so I saw a photo on Instagram. Didn't he? Didn't tell me he was going to the beach. No, no. I saw a photo on Instagram. That's how I knew. Yeah, you saw yeah. what? You saw the corner of my arm. Yeah, so, it was yeah. hairy, and you're on your phone. And I was like, "That's Ben." Yep, that was me. Um, I was wearing this. Oh yeah, right, same outfit. Basically, and you haven't washed it. No, it's different. Like I've got multiple pairs of jeans and shoes and underpants and shirts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I was wearing what I'm wearing now. Okay, okay. But yeah. So yeah. I went this at the beach. Yeah. That's a nice seafood. That was really nice. But yeah. yeah I went, you didn't like the beach. I don't like the beach. Yeah. Jodie was like talking to me about why I don't like the beach because I was like, no, she just no. no, no, she just we just went down to the beach. And okay. Then, uh, oh, I went to the beach too. What day did you go to the beach? Sunday. I went Sunday. I went to Thrall. Oh. Mm. I like Thrall. It's a really nice beach. It is, yeah. That's where nice I've trip. pets at before. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, it's nice. Uh, so I did that on Sunday. Saturday, I can't remember what I did. Um, and then... Oh, that's right. Yeah, so Saturday and Sunday, I was writing my two lectures that I yeah. had to give this week. Yeah. Which I thought were the only lectures. Yeah. And then, <laughs> last night, right... Ray, a friend of the department, Ray, um, sends me a message. It's like, oh, are you taking Carol's courses tomorrow? Because you can use the office if you want. I'm like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> he goes, yeah, because there's the honours seminar. I'm like, huh, that's unusual. So then I sent a message to Carol and I offered, oh, you know, if I'm doing your other course, did you want me to do this one as well? Carol says, yes, and that's fine. It's on sport and religion. I'm like, okay. Um, so I got the papers and I had to read them before the seminar, obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a refresh. I've read Carol's one before. I hadn't read the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some gaps in his, his stuff. So I'm actually glad I read them because I could actually talk about the Ecclesia and you know, ancient mm-hmm. Greek culture and how there are actual gaps in that literature that he should have looked at because it's more deep part the engagement of people that experience sport to be religious activity mm. and it fits in with my thesis as well so mm. that was good so i didn't mind doing it but yeah it kind of threw out my mm. plan i mean yeah religion is what's been linked for years and years and years since ancient greek times right the mm. olympics and stuff were associated with religious yeah stuff. yeah that's right but there's um it's a gap in the literature of them not talking about it as the like the, the ecclesia is, is a term it's a theological term so ecclesiastical mm. it's, it's also yeah. a name is it in spartan or greek side there was a, a separate group called the ecclesia as the well. ecclesia yeah. Yeah, yeah so it is a group um and you are a member of the ecclesia so the ecclesia is this space where you know there is a marketplace there is places for worship there is places of being you know membership of similar to like a senate but not really mm-hmm. like a senate um and then there is also the activity of, of being able to do sport in that space mm-hmm. um, and then the requirements to be able to practice in the olympics is the same requirements to be part of the ecclesia and so everything in greek culture then therefore can be considered religious in that regard mm-hmm. so it's not special that the olympics is that everything yeah, no, but, but that's been overturned ages ago, the whole idea that there was like a se- separate space for religion and everything else. That's already, that's, that's right. like old news, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. But this, yeah. this author, how he was writing, was saying like it's a special thing that the Olympics had the religious mm. motifs, um, whereas really it's representative of the entire yeah, community. Yeah, yeah. So there is this deeper understanding there, I think, that we could turn to. And then Carol's article is actually really good because it's tracking through the idea of how religion and mm. it's the same with like also. domestic religion and stuff it's like That's what does right. that mean yeah, like, civil religion yeah. and everything like that so then we started speaking about the honors uh, in the honors class and i'm quite glad with the students because i had a mindset that i would like to talk about how my own thesis is on people who play video games that is religious experience um but the honor students themselves came up well you know there's no engagement of the community. Like, yeah, these, these two writers are talking about this aspect and yeah, we can accept these. Um, and this is a problem I think you and I have had with our students before here, that they're already woke. You mm. know, they're already, yeah. they, not much new they know. Or they know everything through religion or the canon. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, so how do you do it? So then we can turn to more classical writers like William James or, you know, um, yeah. you know other, other writers or even like Flo State with Mahoney, which is Mahoney. Yeah. I heard you mention that. Yeah, so then you, you engage with what that actual religious experience is, and then you can push 
boundaries of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is is a really interesting space actually mm-hmm. to talk about. So that was it was fun. So tied in nicely with your PhD. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And I had my lecture today. Yeah. Um, on Hindutva, mm-hmm. Buddhist fundamentalism, and the Haredi, um, which is good. And one of the students, one of Tara's students, said, Tara said that you don't know anything about this. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was just like walking around, yeah. like, talking trash. Yeah, I'm like, geez, that's nice of her. <laughs> I actually wanted to ask you prickly questions, but I didn't tell them to say they didn't know anything. Yeah, I did, yeah. But yeah, it was it was filled. The, the well, they were was filled. It was good. That was fun. I liked it. I went on some tangents about Trump and you know fundamentalism and what the motivation for people supporting those type of movements are, and that was actually quite good. So I can use my political background that way. Nice. Not being a fundamentalist, but you know being in politics. Yeah. I'm not a fundamentalist. Anyway, that is that. Excellent. Do you want to should we start with your song or my song? Ah, uh, well. No. I Let's start with my song. Really? Yeah, because I think we should end with your song. <laughs> okay. Alright, so your song is... Were You There by Sam Cooke and the Soul Stirrers, and it's going to kind of welcome us into our discussion on uh, Walter Miller's You Trifle Skunk. That was I picked that song because one I really love Sam Cooke and two I think it really brings in the biblical themes that are um, really prevalent in the story and, it, and there's even a section of the story um, of the hymn is it a hymn where you there when I crucified the Lord so I think it fits nicely was that yeah you didn't notice that in the dark see oh, I, I did oh this is me being in the dark whose hands was driving the nails oh it's similar Anyway, so I thought I chose this story because I really love uh, Walter Miller. I like him a lot. So I'm doing my PhD small section. Oh, okay. Sorry. Are you right there, mate? I'm I'm bringing up my thing. So let's just, sorry, we'll just wait for Ben to. No, no, no. No, 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 that's okay. It's okay. Okay. All right. So um, I chose Walter Miller because I'm doing a section of my PhD on religion and science fiction. And so he is, he talks a lot about religion. He is religious and I find um, him a really interesting writer. Uh, So Walter M. Miller or Walter Michael Miller Jr. was born in 1923 and died in 19... Ninety-six. He was born in uh, the New Smyrna Beach in Florida and was educated uh, at the University of Texas where he studied as an engineer. And he ser- served in the um, Army Air Corps as a radio man and tail gunner flying more than 50 missions uh, bombing during World War II. And uh, he took part in the bombing of the Bene- Benedictine Abbey uh, at Monte-, Monte Cassino. My grandfather was there. Really? Wow. Yeah, my grandfather had um, got the special um, bronze cross for being at Monte Cassino. Wow, so he was as well. Um, And it was a really traumatic experience for him. And he had 30 years, uh, basically, of undiagnosed PTSD and depression. Um, Mm -hmm. And then after the war, he converted to Catholicism. So he wasn't Catholic. He didn't identify as Catholic beforehand. He identified after. Just, I think, from the trauma and of seeing the... Bad battle. Yeah. So the, the, the Germans were surrounded and... What the Allied forces wanted to do was allow General Anders' army, which was the Polish Second Army Corps, to actually win a battle. Mm-hmm. So, it, um, you know, this was a downtrodden army, um, but they were being reinforced um, by aerial bombardments. Um, so my grandfather, um, he was helping, so he never shot a gun through the wall, um, but he was helping fixing the trucks and the truck incursions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Germans were actually making, trying to pin some movements to get out of... Um, where the um, the monastery was at the top, so it was basically a slaughter, absolute slaughter of the Germans there. So it's like not a good battle. Yeah. But, but this is in Italy. So mm, no, I think and seeing the destruction of the um, 
the Abbey. Abbey was really yeah. um, impactful on on him, and he and he looks a lot at um, the decline and also the the rise of Catholicism mm. uh, in in his stories, and I and I just think that's really interesting to convert it afterwards, um, mm. and that he was a, like a. Um, a bomber, like a radio man, and the tail gunner. He did more than 50, 50 missions, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Because often they have a very short life expectancy. I, yeah. I was, I was always thought that. Yeah. Um. So, and then between nineteen fifty one and nineteen fifty seven, he produced about three dozen science fiction stories and wrote scripts for Captain Video, which was a um, one of the earliest, I think maybe the earliest science fiction uh, sort of serial of that genre uh, in American TV, which is pretty interesting. Is it actual sci-fi or is it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and Captain um, Video sounds like, like a blockbuster. It does, doesn't yeah. it? But apparently it was so low budget that the stars in the show got more money by going to the mall and getting money like that than they did from the actual show. Really? That's how low budget oh, they were. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And it was like huge and huge episodes and like I think they said they had like $20 a week for props. They said all the money they had. <laughs> so it was like on a shoestring. Uh, so he wrote yeah, a little bit of the scripts from there. Um, and then he wrote Canical of Ballots, which is his only novel. So all his other stuff is short story. His only novels. The canical canical full abouts in 1959 mm. um, and then uh, so when he sort of was writing that he was rec- a real recluse and uh, avoided contact with everyone um, including uh, his literary agent of many many years um, and would he never met him in person so even his liter- literary agent never got to meet him face to face so he mm. really went inward so he got married and just basically it was him and his wife and they had children but he never did much public publicity he never really did interviews and really struggled with depression uh, and leading to him to take his own life in 1996. So the way he, he committed suicide, he basically called up 911 and said, there's a dead man on the lawn, you need to come and get him. Hung up and then went out and shot himself. So, and they came moments later and found him dead on the ground. And the media attention was really low, like even in the area because the family asked that it kept pretty under the radar and it did, like not many people talk about it, not many people know much about it. Um, and so the other thing is that there's just not much information. I think there's only a couple of interviews he's ever done, and they're you know they're kind of in obscure kind of um, Florida newspapers. Like he wasn't a major writer, but then Canical Bouts is one of the, like a very famous science fiction works, always quoted in curriculum and for the religious overtones, it's one of the most famous. So I think that's really interesting. Hmm. Um, and he's did he was writing a sequel when he killed himself uh, called Saint Bouts and the Wild Horse. Woman, which was completed uh, by another science fiction writer at his request when he was dead. Um, so that's sort of his a brief little introduction about him. I think those aspects make him a really interesting writer. So mm. depression, suicide, um, this trauma from the war, his religious um, beliefs, and things like that. So yeah. uh, he wrote the book, the story we're doing called as the Trifling Skunk. Also released as the Trifling Man. That's without the G under on trifling. Uh, in 1955 um, and it's uh, the version I have is called Walter Miller Jr. Dark Benediction uh, and it's the first story in this little little anthology of his short stories. I read it on the best of Walter Miller or Walter M. Miller Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ben managed to find one online right? Yeah. Fell off the back of a truck. Anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> so I, I read it in this volume, so The Best of Walter M. Miller Jr. Yeah. Um, so different, but uh, we read through like the first page and it's the same thing, so it's yeah. yeah, and it's also, um, it's very short, I think it's only seven pages. And the story centres around uh, two main characters, uh, Doody and Lucy, uh, and it's sort of set in like a quasi-recently colonised... Um, swampy landscape that's not identified so you don't know whether it's planet Earth. i when i read it i imagined it was uh an alien planet i don't know why but um or another planet in the solar system i don't know whether i thought it was earth i didn't really know how i interpreted where the setting was so you took it as earth i thought it was earth isn't it Earth? i don't think it says i mean it probably is anyway that's not really important the important part is that because there's an alien from the other planet. Yeah, I thought it might just be another planet in the solar system. Oh, hang on. But they talk about earthly things, so. Yeah, there is earthly things. I don't know why I highlighted one line. <laughs> it's okay. I thought um, it was like a postal for you. That's all right. Which is not it, due to this. It's due to <laughs> me not having any light at all when I was reading. Yeah, it's never really specified. But it, or it kind of, yeah, read to me like as being some American swampland pre... Um, Highway. Yeah, I know, I know that. But yeah, Miller sets a lot of his 
stuff in different planets. Uh, okay. So it's not necessarily Earth, but it probably is. Anyway, it's not important. Um, the important part is that, uh, yeah, would you say it's kind of before, like a pre-time, like a kind of basic kind of existence? I don't know how to explain no. it. Really? Yeah, I thought it was like recent. Really? Yeah. I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was like rural America. <laughs> like deliverance country. That's funny. Yeah, that's how um, I read it. Because, you know, you try when it's gone. Maybe. I, I, okay. I it doesn't matter. We don't know. That. I'm sorry if anyone who listens who lives in deliverance country <laughs> and is. No, there. I said that, but I but thought of it a long, written a long way. Just the vocab that's used, like, um, like yeah, I guess I read it as being um, quite like old, rustic kind of. Mm. And they talk a lot about magic and certain dark magic and things like that. I interpret that as being. Um, Do they? Yeah, Witchin. Yeah, Witchin's like, you know. He's got the devil in him. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I guess it could all just be Bible belt stuff. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't really matter, I don't think, too much. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, well, I guess we've got a different opinion on everything about it. <laughs> <laughs> but also, none of us are sure, so that's great. Yeah. Isn't it? Uh, anyway, so basically what happens is um, you've got uh, a woman who... <laughs> she, yeah, he refers to her as Mama. No, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's in a place and a time. In a place and a time. <laughs> that we don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> and it features two people. But definitely has that American, like, uh, yeah. country bumpkin aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. If, if we just give an example of this line. So outside, get along. We're, and that's spelled G-I-T-A-L-O-N-G. Get along. We're outside in the Palomino scrub, in the Cypress swamp. Yeah, so that's how I'm reading it. Like yeah. That sort of... In probably a worse... Ling- uh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, worse, worse accent in my head. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, and it's set about a boy that's going through fits, certain fits. Um duty who goes through certain fits and there's like an inner dialogue written in the book in italics which is his father who is an alien life that has been who impregnated the mother um there's the implication that she paid he was paid she was paid to do it yeah at the end yeah towards the end um basically um she's when she's sort of reminiscing about it uh, basically he came uh, a came to her as a human. She thought he was a human. Uh, she, he impregnated her. Um, she gave birth to the baby. The baby's now suffering all these fits and the baby's saying things like, it's my dad, he's coming, he's coming soon, my yeah. father's coming. And she doesn't believe him because she thinks it's just a rambling. She said, oh, you know, it's the witch in ways or it's the devil. And so there's this kind of religious elements coming up too. That, and she just kind of keeps disregarding him. Well, so I read that as she doesn't quite understand yeah. Like she's like this is an uneducated, you know, person, and what's happened to her is beyond her control and beyond her fa- uh, facility to deal with. Mm. You um, didn't take it as like her just dismissing him as being crazy. No, you no, more yeah, that she just doesn't understand. It's your witch and ways, yeah, boy. I don't yeah, understand yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. I think it's probably a bit of both mm. or either. <laughs> yeah, we could be doing this the whole time. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I read it differently, but I mean, it's a very short story, so it is. I think it is really ambiguous. Yeah, like, a lot of these inferences, but basically, um, you get this sort of dialogue. It's set during one evening, and she, she's sort of he's going as they're cooking possum stew, and basically, Duty's having these really intense seizures mm. um, where uh, you know through the reading it, but she doesn't know that he's ha- he's having this dialogue dialogue coming through the father being like don't worry this will be the last time or it's going to stop soon and your fit's going to slow down or it's just a little bit and it's fine-tuning so because the the dude is half alien half human only a certain amount of um only he can communicate but when he communicates it it hurts him and he's got a head malfunction as well like a lump on his head where this i assume his brain or whatever is trying to grow so his body is just formed as well and basically he goes through a couple of fits and then you can tell that um, Mama or Lucy's the mum, keeps uh, not really downing, but slowly starting to get more and more convinced. And she goes out to she goes out and cleans the gun, and she's like, "I'm going to go wait by um, the chicken coop and watch see what happens." Yeah. And then basically, um, the father or alien uh, comes in a big cloud, 
coming over uh, to the. I'm doing like cloud mm-hmm. actions. Um, over to the No, because yeah. the description. I actually think we should read a bit of the description of the cloud. I actually thought it was really cool. Okay, let's find it. You find the description. I'll keep talking. Um, <laughs> uh, oh no, it was this was it. Uh, ah, I just found it. Where'd it go? Uh, yeah. So, uh, so this is her describing the alien cloud that's descending. Uh, do you want to do it? You do it in your voice. Your the country voice. Oh, the country. No, yeah, no, this is it. not. This is it. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean. like an airborne jellyfish. <laughs> um, I can. Yeah, you, okay. you it, it swam like an airborne jellyfish, a cluster of silver threads. It seemed tangled in a cloud of filaments, or a giant mass dandelion fluff. It leaked out misty pseudopods and then drew them back as it pulled itself through the air. Weightless as chick as chick down, huge as a barn, it flew and drifted towards the direction of the sphere in a semicircle, as if inspecting on land. At times, moving against the wind. Yeah, so it's sort of this this cloud coming in, and I guess like when I imagine, I kind of imagine of like I don't know, it's like you know. What is it where people, is it like a movie, maybe Harry Potter, like when the Death Eaters are taking form or something like that. So, because it starts off as a cloud and then she sees it slowly becomes a human shape and she recognizes it as the man that um, mm-hmm. impregnated her all those years ago. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then. Well, she doubts it. She's just like, yeah, I can't be. Could be. Yeah. And then yeah. she's like, it, she knew who he was. And, um, yeah. So then she uh, addresses him. <laughs> Um, and she says, hey, there, you trifling skunk, look at me. And then so that just as the human shape's forming, he kind of turns around um, and then she uh, shoots him as he's changing and basically kills the alien hmm. life. And so that, um, and that's the end of that. And that's really, I think the last lines are really funny when she's just sort of reminiscing about it. Um, she says, ain't nothing worse than a trifling man, she philosophized, if he's human or if he's not. <laughs> it's really, like, quite yeah. funny. Like, And I, find this, I found this story quite pro, uh, like, Lucy. She's, like, the character yeah. you wouldn't expect to be the hero, right? She's yeah. uneducated. She's, sim- you know, she's had a baby with this man that she doesn't really know. And, you know, she's um, maybe not your typical hero. But at the end, she stops a whole alien invasion in that area. Mm. And... And then the story ends with a report written that says, Report, Servo Pilot Recon 6 to Fleet. Mission men caught in transition phase by native organism and devastated, thus destroying liaison with native analogue. Suggest delay of invasion plans. Unpredictability factors associated with mothers of genetic analogues. Withdraw contacts, Servo 6. I thought that was really funny. That's (laughs) my favourite part about the whole story. Like that, the most absurd, ridiculous defence of humanity is a... uh, you know, a woman who is running out there and says something like, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, a trifling man yeah. shooting them and therefore defending humanity. It's absurd, but it's hilarious. I thought she was such a cool hero being like, not on my watch, you know, yeah. not today, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like getting out with a gun ready and, yeah, and shooting funny. him. And, and then at the end too, um, Duty finally sleeps peacefully as well. So mm. she's really like protected was, him. She was sleeping peacefully, smiling. Yeah. She tucked him in and went to bed. There was corn to hoe come dawn. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I like the ending. Um, I liked uh, I liked her character. I liked Duty's engagement with the father and I liked Duty's engagement with the mother as well. It seemed quite real, those, mm. those discussions. Um, his... Uh, the way that he writes some things, I don't know. It, I think it's good, but I think it's it's better if you read it out loud. Yeah, you're like it's. It's funny because your dialogues heaps more spread out. See, this is mine. So yeah. Your, your dialogue, each line has a double space, which I would find that distracting to read. Uh, maybe that's why I found yeah. it distracting because it was. See, look, we've got the same words, but mine are straight after the other. Yeah. Okay. I um, think that would make it harder. Hmm. So I found it like really disjointed at times, like some of those conversations. You see here that there's three or four lines of, you know, duties laughing, saying something, then she says something, he says something, she says something, he says something, she, he. Yeah, but that's, that's not, just a conversation. But there's no he says, she says. You, don't need, you shouldn't need that with just two people having dialogue. Like who else would be coming in? But you're going ten point? steps. But she's not saying like the next, like it'd go one, two, one, two. I think it's pretty obvious. No, I think a, a couple of 
pushes ah oh, lucy said that okay so there's a push maybe five lines and six lines. yeah but uh shush child he's nothing of the sort he'll come all right what if i won't let him in the door so obviously the subject yeah, yeah, yeah. i think and it's Judy obvious says that. yeah yeah it is obvious but it's obvious if you're reading out loud and it sounds better if you're reading mm. it out loud it's almost like it's a performance mm, you can you found more like a play or something like mm. a screen mm. and, and i didn't figure that out until like you know three pages in and then I like went back and then it actually makes sense mm. Mm. I love the description of when she's sort of in the kind of swampy areas waiting and keeps hearing the birds and falling asleep and then she wakes up to see this like giant cloud of <laughs> yeah. weird like amorphous weird shit, yeah. stuff and, and like the, you know I just really liked it I thought because when I read it I'm like bend my lights because I think it's a bit more female positive than mm. maybe um, Ellison so I picked it Thinking you might like it. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah, but we won't go back on that. Um, no. I agree. Yes, I think it's it's good. Um, I found <laughs> it funny. Like she didn't. She's been impregnated, or she slept with an alien, mm. and she has a child that's half alien, half human. And she's not like really freaked out about this. Whole well, thing. she doesn't know he's an alien in the beginning. She thinks it's just a man. She has no idea. Because I think she described it. Like, she says that he was, like, luminescent or something. Like, so maybe she thought he was a bit different, but he, she still thought he was a human. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like how that there's just this you know, acceptance, almost. Yeah. Oh, I think she knew that he was different, maybe. Um, that, like, some, like, a bit different from the usual people. Mm. But um, she's doing everything for her child. Yeah. Um... And he's funny, he's really kind of condescending. He's like, you just wait, Marla, he's going to come. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, she just yeah. like fully ruins it. Because, you know, they're sort of, I guess they're trying to plot um, overtaking Earth and they've, they've kind of got two, they've got like several children dotted around that are trying to, that are split between half human, half alien to act as kind of um, information gatherers, mm. almost spies. And he's giving, relaying information back about the bodies, about the brain, how the brains work and stuff to yep. the alien father yeah. so that he's ready to invade. She's told him that he's dead. Yeah. That the father is dead. And yeah, there's this, you know, your pa is dead, duty. You know that. <laughs> the emancipated youth, stirring on bed, picked himself up slowly on one arm, turned to look at her, eyes blazing. You lie, he cried. Mama, you lie. <laughs> duty, I hate you, Mama. I hate all of you. I'll make you pay. I'll be like him. So this, you know, acting out and yeah. that, that teenage aggression, I guess, um, which is quite funny. And then there's all those uh, like biblical terms. So like, um, you know, that she's a good Christian woman and that she goes by the rules and she doesn't believe in that witch stuff as well. So it felt to mm. me like a like a recently converted pagan um, sort of religion or, you know, more like um, sort of town superstition that then has been kind of um, – indoctrinated with Christianity is how it read to me because you know she, she, the hints were sort of like you know she's that was a witch we don't talk about that anymore that it's sort of become oh, taboo okay. or it could yeah. be if you're sending it in the south it could be like um, voodoo magic or something being yeah. but I, I just it as, as anything that is outside of you know Christian norm, normative religion quote unquote normative religion um, for that community would be classified as, as witching so you know this it's just this engagement of the other and it's quite dismissive. So in reading it like that, it's quite funny that, you know, it actually is really alien. Mm. It is literally alien. Um, yeah. And, like, you wouldn't expect someone from the South to say that and actually it'd come true. So I, I, I think that that's quite cool and funny. Yeah, I just found the description of when she's describing the encounter of the father. She said, she set a jaw and fell grimly silent. She didn't like to remember Duty's father. He'd come seeking shelter from a storm and he was big and taciturn and he made love like a machine. Lucy had been younger then, younger and wilder and not afraid of shame. He'd vanished as quickly as he'd come. When he'd gone, it almost felt like he'd been there to accomplish an errand, some piece of business that had to be handled hastily and efficiently. Mm -hmm. So I think she suspected something was weird with him, but not that he was an alien. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's such... Can you, like, I can't believe it. So he's written it in what? So it's a bit more than seven pages. So 13 pages, and it's just such a rich little story yes. about a scene, setting a scene, making two characters, you know, pretty well-known very mm. quickly. Um, there was no wasted space. I didn't read a page and go, oh, this is going on. Yeah. Bit. Like, there was nothing that was wasted as part of it. Yeah. It was good. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else you want to say about it? It's is just, is yeah. his other stories... So he set stories in 
space and stuff? Yeah, he does. So he's got a few varieties. Um, another one that um, I can recommend for anyone listening um, is one called Dumbwaiter. This is, I think, a really, really, really interesting story. So Dumbwaiter is set um, in the future. I think I've told you about it before, Ben, where um, all the, there's this giant AI like system that controls everything but then people all uh, there's like a, a war and then people are gone from the city but the city is still going through the motions um, of city life without any humans so the mm-hmm. there's bombers that fly over and open oh, up the the but no bombs come out yeah. right or there's waiters that go into the jail cell that go to feed the prisoners that are now all died and desiccated mm-hmm. with food that's no longer being put on the plate and then just drop the food and nothing happens and so it's sort of about a main character trying to go in and kind of put new input in the master AI to try and change it so that people can move back into the city. Mm. But um, there's all this sort of talk about we should just destroy it and there's a group of people that want to just destroy it because of what it's done. Um, and the main character keeps saying, you know, like, it's not the tool that's the problem. It's how we've used it. There's nothing wrong with the AI. We just mm. need to work it better, whereas these other characters are saying, you know. And this is a theme throughout. So... Two main themes uh, Miller does. The first thing is he's pro, quite pro-Christianic. So a lot of his stories are pro-Catholicism and pro-religion okay. in in um, in a certain way of, of feeling like that there's a place for that in society. He doesn't go sh- fully modern where he thinks that religion's sort of outdated. He, he yeah. thinks that there's a, a place for it. And that's what Kennicle of Labouts is all about, this kind of... Um, Monastery that that keep that they've found all these old things after a nuclear war, all these like um, blueprints they can't read anymore, but they carry them around like sacred texts. So they then all amongst slowly design all this beautiful uh, like filigree and, and beautiful pictures to, to basically just be doing blueprints from <laughs> work. So it's really quite yeah. funny. So he both sort of critiques a little bit like kind of Catholicism, but also promotes. It. And then the other thing he does is he is very pro technology. So he's often quite. Um, adamant that he believes that technology is a positive thing and that it can be used well and, and that sort of stuff which is quite interesting because a lot of writers at that time were very anti sort of you know around the yeah. the war and people were kind All of quite worried about the end of yeah the atomic time, weapons so, yeah, and things yeah. like that they were looking at that as quite negative so mm-hmm. i feel like he's he's quite positive of technology and that story's um done later is really really interesting just about this idea of ai not really having any motives or any like Emotions. It just does what it needs to do, and yeah. and it's limited, right? And and yeah. whereas you know you look at Ellison's, um, I have no mouth. That's completely different. That is a yeah. malicious thinking, feeling AI. Where this AI is just doing what it's been programmed to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really interesting. And so and then there's another story he writes called just on the technology thing mm. before you just. Um, it's interesting that you you say that. it might be because he's actually worked with technology and being this you know uh, working with with. Air flight planes and working with that quite early technology. And he's an engineer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he's actually worked in the field and understands that technology and he probably has an appreciation for how machines work. Yeah, definitely. A lot of his characters are engineers or pro, or used to be engineers or pro right. mechanics and things like that. So I think yeah, that I definitely think you're right. He likes how things work. I think he's probably quite like a practical person, which is yeah. so interesting then to marry this pro religious aspect. I think that's really cool. Mm. Mm. Especially the time being like that, that period. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And then the other story I recommend is called Conditionally Human. And I told you about this one too, but it's about the, um, these apes that have been, their DNA have been changed to look exactly like human babies. So basically yeah, there's overpopulation. Awesome. So yeah. people can't breed normally. So they kind of have these stunted growth, basically baby half monks that look like babies that then are kept as pets. And they can only, they can't really talk. They just have like chatter, like but, it, you know, women can have them and have that kind of yearning for having a child without actually having a child. They die after, like, six years, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas they never grow up, whereas, you know, less resources and stuff. But then somebody changes the DNA and there's one that gets mutated that suddenly starts to talk and grow mm-hmm. as a child. And it's this ethical decision that the animal shelter person that often has to euthanize these has to decide do they keep it or not. Mm-hmm. Because it's if it got out, you know, who knows, it could live just before human size and all these ethical questions. So I recommend that one as well. That's cool. Yeah. Hmm. But yes, yeah, so if you have any questions about Walter Miller, not that anyone ever asks any questions, feel free to ask me a question. Some people might. Yeah. We get occasional questions. That's true, but not only about the sci-fi stories. No, no, it's more about, I don't know, what do we get questions about? I don't think we get many questions. Oh, just more corrections. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's occasional questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's Mark and John that talk on the, the, the 
what do you call that Discord? thing? Discord thing. Yeah. yeah. It's quite hot in here, isn't it? Like yeah, I don't like summer. I don't know if I've spoken about this. Yeah, you don't like the beach, you don't like warmth. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. I, I had complaints about people like in the lecture hall, they asked for the fans to be on. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Was it that hot? Yeah, it was pretty. It was not good. It was not yeah. enjoyable. Um, it's getting to that point now that I'm, I'm wishing for Scotland. You know, one of my students said before that, oh, yeah, I have to go to Scotland. It's going to be really bad. It's going to be 13 degrees. I'm like, that's great. That's so good. How amazing would that be? 13 degrees. It's perfect temperature. Yep. Mm. And do you want to give the plug for who we're talking about next week? Ah, yes. So we're going to be going down the track of some more philosophy. Um, at Tara's suggestion. Yeah. Not, not my suggestion. It's true. Um, Back by popular demand. Yeah, I've, I've wanted to do it. So, yeah. Yeah, but you have to reread the text. I know, like, getting out of it half-baked. I know. I will read this, absolutely. <laughs> so we're going to be um, rereading the giant, um, and he wasn't actually that tall, which is quite funny, uh, <laughs> Ich and Du, or mm-hmm. I and Thou, by Martin Buber. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very cool um, thinker who talks about the engagement with the other. Uh, yeah. And he's got um, some following outside of just Jewish circles. So he's got some, some following in other religions as well. And I think that that is going to be a good start to actually talking about the engagement of um, between other people. Yeah. So I recommend that to lots of people. Definitely. And what part of his work will we read? Oh, we'll read section one of Ikemdu. So it's where he sets out the, the engagement and how to engage with the other. So we won't really get into the eternal now. But I think that there'll be enough to go off with mm-hmm. the um, that initial engagement, and it sort of kicks back to how we spoke about um, what's that story that we read, the the axolotl by oh, yeah. Julio Cortazar. Yep. Yeah. So it almost actually is, is similar to that, but not as quite. So there's some nuanced differences, mm-hmm. which I'm interested to talk in about to you as my thou, <laughs> okay. as I am I. Okay. Everyone um, is the thou. Yeah, but I'm, all I'm, am I a special thou? You're all special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do I have a capital T on my thou? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you are the thou. Yes. What about the other person though? They, they at that time is also the thou. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna be special. All the thou. Yeah. So right. it's gonna it's gonna be fun actually. I, I like talking talk yeah. about that. Oh, stuff. and we can talk about our Halloween party, how it goes, whether yeah, anyone's involved. Anyone gets murdered? Is there gonna be murder? <laughs> <laughs> Say that to me like with a smile. Oh, we're going to murder people. That's what we do on that Halloween, would be spooky, isn't it? Wouldn't it? That would be scary. Yeah. We could do a detective mystery murder. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know. But you're going to bring some board games, aren't you? I could, we could bring... I could bring horror board Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could bring the Choose Your Own Adventure um, horror board oh, games. Oh, no, that board game is so boring. I what? hate that board game. No. You don't, don't like it? No, bring something better. What? Why? We played it. Anyway, this conversation can get you off camera. No, I don't think so. Off mic. No. Okay, well, you, we played that good. at 89. We cheated. Yeah, it, it was sucked. It was, it was so bad. Out. I couldn't hear anything. And it was like, you go to a well and you can either look down the well or you can move <laughs> over the well. And it's like, I don't care. Yeah, we, we didn't get killed yet. Like, it, it was this, no. this atmospheric thing. So if we, if we play some nice music, we could do that. Or we could play like something like Resident Evil where we've got like moving around pieces and you're shooting zombies. Oh, on like the, the, the TV? No, 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 oh. no, like on the tabletop. Oh, it was a tabletop one. Yeah. Being like party games. Like. Yeah. Well, that is. Have you got a table? Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, do I have a table? You've been to my Jack house. Jack saw a picture of your place, actually. Yeah. And he was like, Another oh, one. it has improved so much. <laughs> <laughs> Jack's the best. Such a, so, just some context. So, basically, I had a housewarming before my house was ready. So, basically, it was just mm-hmm. empty. The floors had paint and shit over them, and it was completely empty. And um, Ben brought his son, Jack, and children. children. Oh, yeah, both came. There was dust everywhere. There was no door for the toilet. I made a door for the toilet. Yeah, it was pretty basic. But I really wanted to have the party because I've been planning for ages. And even though everything wasn't ready, I was like, damn it, I'm having a party. And we were like getting to two weeks out. I'm like, you sure it's going to be ready? Like, yeah, 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 it'll be ready. Don't worry. It wasn't ready. Anyway. So Jack came and was really, really upset about how shit our house was. (laughs) 
He was concerned. He was like, he was concerned. is that all they've got? Yeah, because it was an empty house and there was like nothing there. Yeah. And he thought it was like some sort of apocalyptic house or yeah. something. Yeah. Basically, every time that I, like, we've seen him since, he's like, oh, how's your house going? <laughs> is it better? Yeah. Is so it furniture yet? He saw a picture of your cat, I think, in the house. I mean, you had a carpet there. He's like, like Ooh. yeah, because <laughs> you got so much stuff. And then you had, oh, yeah, and there was like shelves in the background as well. It was like amazing that you had shelves. Oh, my God. He thinks like we're that. like some like weird spot and like yeah. people with nothing in yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, this is how, how a nine year old thinks. I thought it was really funny, funny yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jack. Such a yeah, good kid. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Thanks for listening, everyone. Sorry the audio in this is a bit shot. Yeah, sorry. Now, as, as a special. <laughs> The special treats. <laughs> Natara doesn't want me to do this, but I think that I found the best song to, to see us out. This is the, <laughs> the Skunk Song by David Polanski. Enjoy. Yay! Yeah. Uh, please leave us really high reviews and please comment on how wonderful this yeah. song is and how it's the highlight of this episode. Yeah, mention the Skunk Song. That would be great. Enjoy. Bye. Bye. What's black and white? Come-